This message was recorded at North 2013, an event organised by Christ Central, part of New Frontiers. You can find out more about Christ Central by visiting our website, ChristCentralChurches.org. It's our great pleasure again to uh, introduce Scott. Uh, Scott served us so magnificently last night. I thought it was a wonderful first night, stirring us about the glory and the greatness, the bigness of our God. If you, weren't, if you didn't hear that last night, listen to the download. There's something about the largesse of God amongst us. And Scott's now going to earth that into action. He's now going to earth it into how we've now seen this big God What is this big God calling us to do? Let's welcome our friend Scott Marks. What a tremendous meeting. And uh, so grateful to God for everything that he's spoken to us this morning already. And uh, in some ways, I feel like there's not much more to be said. There's uh, a huge sense of, God, I'm ready. Here I am, send me. Uh, But I... I really would like to finish the message I started last night and uh, just say that it is a tremendous privilege to have been able to speak twice at North uh, on the opening night and this morning. And uh, I think that this is for real. I think this is bigger than you realize. I think this is the real deal. You guys are a family of churches together on a mission. You are built around Jesus Christ. The gifts of God's Spirit are evident among you in abundance. This is the real deal. When I went on to the train route uh, site to work out how to get from London to Yarm, I saw the, the little worm going up England And I just thought, I bet God looks around for places where there's lots of people who really love him and are wanting to do everything that he's calling them to do. And when he finds a place like that, he is there with them. And you will battle to find something as special and as precious and as authentic as what you have right here. I pray that I will inspire you today, not only to faith in a great God, but to action in what God has done amongst you already. And that you will do immeasurably more than you've asked or imagined thus far. This is a big deal. As Jeremy came up with the word about um, this isn't a gooey, cuddly, fluffy, comfy, I don't know where he gets all those words from, but he said, this is not safe. And I was standing there trying to remember the name of that little goat in Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe that Lucy asks Tumnus, Tumnus, Mr. Tumnus. (laughs) He's not a goat, they say. (laughs) What is he, a fawn? That's right, that's right, he's a fawn. (laughs) That 
That is a movie that I go into tears. I love that part where they say, Aslan's on the move. And Aslan appears, and Lucy says to Mr. Tumnus, if I remember it right, is he safe? And Tumnus, who is a type of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> leading to Christ, says to Lucy, no, he's not safe, but he is good. And Lucy buries herself in his mane and hangs on. And you get that feeling of brace yourself. And I remember also another part of the movie. I can't remember if it's Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe, or the other one with the older girl. What's her name? Susan. Susan, there's that part where she goes, brace yourselves. I don't know if you remember that one. I think it's when the, the waterfall is about to thaw and the whole thing goes. And I do feel for North, Aslan is on the move. For Christ Central, Aslan is on the move. And he's not safe, but he is good. And it's war that you're getting into. It's, it's war. It's tough. There's arrows. But God has given you everything you need for the journey that's ahead. And just like those, they had little things. I remember there were arrows and, and bottles and all sorts of things. God has given you everything you need. Be committed to Him and be committed to one another. I want to encourage you in the offering tomorrow to express your faith in that action. Just, just with your bucks, with your money, you say, God, I do believe you're on the move. I don't just go, ooh, gooey, cuddly, when we hear about Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I get out my wallet and I pay. I give. It's a sign of faith in God. As I speak to you this morning, I can promise you that I have one eye on heaven with the account I will give of this these days that I've had with you today. I know Jeremy stands with one eye on heaven to give an account of your faith and love expressed in what you give. I want to encourage you to get behind these guys. They might not even be that good. But they're the best you've got. They're all you've got. They, they're who God has given you. And when you get behind them, you're not getting behind Jeremy and the team. You're getting with God in what he's doing. God would love Jeremy to be much better. <laughs> so would Anne. <laughs> It's so not about us. And I love what Jeremy said about there's some in this room that need to give big. I, I pray that I would encourage you to big action today. To, to walk where the talk is. And so back to our apostolic theme of great faith, great action. Overnight, I've been stirred afresh again and again by the truth of this message. I see it all over Scripture. And today's message, Great Action, is in some ways the easier bit 
Because we're really made for action. We're made to do stuff. We like doing stuff. Perhaps the more challenging bit is to be in genuine faith. To have the relationship worked out before the function. I just want to emphasize that again. And say that God, in who He is, demonstrates perfect relationship, perfect faith, perfect unity in Himself before He does anything. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, perfectly complete. And from who He is, He does. We need to be in relationship, vibrant relationship with the Father. I love the word that came today. I am not only your God. You you are not only my God. You are not only my King. You are my Father. You are my friend. The fullness of that. Waking up in the morning. I wonder how many of you did ten toes in the air. I know Adrian Holloway did. This, but getting, getting out of your bed in the morning and say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are my Savior and King. You are the lover of my soul. I love you. Expressing worship and praise to Him. Asking big things of Him. Loving His Word. Devouring Scripture. Understanding truth. Jesus is so kind. There's, there's really no other options as to who God is. You, you might bring Muhammad forward. You might bring Buddha forward. You might bring Confucius forward. Where I live, we bring our dead ancestors forward. It's the spirits, God, spirit. There's... there's There's no one that compares to Jesus. It's it's really a no-brainer. I love the story told of C.S. Lewis who went into his Oxford philosophy class and they were having a debate about is there any religion that has one unique element to it? And they went through things like reincarnation and rebirth and the idea of regeneration. They said, well, there's sort of that here and there's sort of that there. And went through the idea of God appearing and said, yeah, it's in Christianity, but also here and also there. And C.S. Lewis walked in on this debate and they said, Professor, we're having this debate about is there any religion that has one unique element? And he said, yes, it's easy. Grace. There's no other religion that says God comes from His perfection and takes our imperfection in Himself and offers freely His perfection as a gift. There's no other religion that has that. And these guys are talking about Stockholm and, and Gotham. Go- Gothenburg. <laughs> Gotham needs it as well. And they're like, what is your passion to share? They need the gospel of grace. I just love to hear that. You guys are a flock of birds. 
getting ready for migration, this gospel needs to go to the ends of the earth. Some will be called to cities in the UK. Some will be called beyond. It's this message that is unique. That God loves us, is for us, has given His life for us. I love the prophecy in Isaiah 9 that talks of the one to come. It says, He will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of His government and rule, there will be no end. There is no God like that. To be clear in our hearts, we believe in You and we believe You reward us who diligently seek You. Such a fundamental position to work from. 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, verse 3 Paul writes and says, We thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus. And, and over and over again, this theme that's there. Just before we launch into action, I just want to underline one more thing. Hebrews chapter 10 is saying you are forgiven. Not only do you know God loves you, He has forgiven you and washed you and made you righteous forever. And Hebrews chapter 12, don't stop. Go for it. Don't turn back from this. What if it was all true? That, that girl here singing the song, I can hardly believe you love me like you do. What if it was all true? What if, it, what if there's an open door to heaven and that we're all going and, and really the only thing that remains is to bring as many people to heaven as possible? What if, what if that's all true? What does it mean for your life? Great faith. Substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen is demonstrated in great action. Would you turn with me please to Hebrews chapter 11. Just going to read a couple of verses and draw out some truths for us. Hebrews 11. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not, do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Faith pleases God. By faith, we understand the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made from what is visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. And by faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. 
he could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I'm going to go quickly through the next guys. Noah built an ark. Abraham moved from one place to another. Jacob and Isaac were heirs of the same promise. Down to verse 21. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons. Joseph, when he was near the end, spoke of the Exodus and gave instructions about his bones. Moses' parents hid him for three months. When he grew up, and it tells the whole story of Moses. Verse 31, by faith, the prophet Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. What more can I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, shut mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised again to life. Others were tortured, not so happy as the guys just before, raised to be released so that they might again might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned and sawn in two, put to death by the sword. They went around in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Yet all these were commended for their faith. Yet none received what had been promised. God planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Jeremy used the word as I came up this morning. Scott is going to earth this. And I love Hebrews 11. It emphasizes faith and God's type of faith. And then it gets more and more gritty towards the end. And by the end, we're talking about great victories and great apparent losses. Sawn in two, chopped in half, quartered, whatever. These are all practical outworkings of the faith that these people had. Their faith, their whole-hearted faith in God resulted in whole-hearted action. I'd like to point out five E's that we get from every one of the examples in the book of Hebrews and as you look at Jesus' life that inform us about the kind of action that God is requiring from us. The first E is everything you do matters. As you look at the story that the writer outlines of Moses, of Joseph, of Abraham, God was interested in every single thing that those people did. The whole of your life, every little part and every big part matters eternally. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all to the glory of God. How you open your tent 
in the morning. How you queue for the toilet. If you're one of those naughty people who still has their car on site, when you take your car off site, how you find another park. How you queue for food. How you respond to your children. How you treat members of the opposite sex. How you fill in your tax return. How you deal with people knocking on your door. Strangers wanting donations for whatever. I'm just thinking of things that happened to me in London the last two or three days. I was rude to a person who came to my door. Everything matters. The story of Joseph is one of my favorites in Scripture. And Joseph's story in Genesis chapter 50 ends with it saying, Joseph died and was buried in a coffin having been embalmed in Egypt. It's the most emphatic declaration in Scripture other than Jesus that this guy is dead. He is so like the Messiah that you could almost, if it wasn't sure that he was dead and gone, that he wasn't more than just a man. Every moment of Joseph's life counted. He was rejected. He was treated unjustly. He was falsely accused. He was elevated. He was this. He was that. Every element God wove together. Do you know one of the exciting things about knowing God's grace is knowing that God works all things together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. The worst stuff that you've ever done, under God's grace, He is able to use to glory. He is able to work all things together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Everything. My favorite quote of Martin Luther is, We contribute nothing to our salvation except the sin that God so graciously forgives. God turns our sin into a platform for the demonstration of His glory and grace. God turns death into the highway and doorway to eternal life. God is victorious over everything that you have ever thought or said or done. You don't look as excited about that as I am. That is because I'm worse than all of you. I am so grateful to God that He can use even my rubbish. I refuse to be stopped by my weaknesses. I instead choose to come before Him and say, Jesus, thank You that You have made me perfect forever whilst You are making me perfect. Hebrews 10 Verse 12, as we read last night. He has made perfect forever those who are being made perfect. Everything counts. Every decision 
of worship where the flesh wants to go one way and the spirit wants to go the other way. Every decision that results in worship to God counts. Even when you make the wrong decision, God is able to use that. That's not a motivation to make the wrong one. And it's not a justification. If you truly know the grace of God, you hate to sin. But sin mustn't stop you in your tracks. I love the proverb that says, Though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets up each time. Everything matters. Every little thing and every big thing. Secondly, the ethics of what you do matters. In other words, how you do what you do and why you do what you do matters. Doing the right thing for the wrong reason isn't much good either. And again, I think of Joseph. He was anointed by God. He had a coat of many colors. What he was saying was true. You will bow down to me. You will honor me. You will this. You will. But his motivation at that stage wasn't pure. He had some self-seeking in him at that stage. And so he was saying the right thing. But questionable heart motivation. Ethics. Great action is in our workplace, in our homes, doing things for the right reasons and doing them in the right way. This is radical stuff. It is so easy to do it a different way. The third E, the effectiveness of what you do matters. Where our gifting and our passion collide is often where our calling is. Many times we spend a whole lot of activity where our passion isn't or where our gifting isn't. And we don't produce very much. And we're not very effective. Effectiveness matters. God created us in His image and said, be fruitful, increase, multiply. God wants us to be productive. He doesn't want us just to tread water. Be on a tube to work and on a tube all the way back and do nothing really except go into a virtual world of paying the rent. But to be fruitful, to be effective, to be productive. Joseph collided his passion and his gifting. I want to encourage you to not settle for second best, but to understand God has given you gifts and talents to be faithful with. As Jeremy said, very often it feels like we're bringing a little lunchbox. God says, if you are faithful with the little, I will add. One of the reasons 
that I think aid has caused such problems in Africa is because it doesn't teach people to be faithful with the little they have. It teaches them to rely on the lot that others have. When we're not faithful with the little we have, Jesus says, I will take away and give to one who is faithful. So aid has got a very high propensity to disenfranchise and neuter those in receipt of it. The only alternative to profit is begging or stealing. And neither of those are very good options. As we give, which is such a God-glorifying thing, it's so important that we link our giving to eternal transformation, not just feel good for us or feel good for others. We need to be effective. It matters. Brings us on to my fourth point. Evangelical impact. That our action needs to have eternal consequence. Great action will be characterized by these things. At the core of it, leading people to Christ. Leading people to Christ may not be on the front edge. It may be behind. Sometimes it will be on the front. Sometimes it will be in the middle. Sometimes at the back. But the heart motivation to be evangelical at the core. Jesus said, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. He's, he's talking into our world. He's saying, we run after all these things. I know you need food. I know you need clothes. I know you need a place to stay. But seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. In other words, radical action is action that comes from a heart that's saying, Jesus, what are you calling me to do that will have an eternal impact on people's lives? And that is outworked in a myriad of different ways. But so easy to miss it. So easy just to do the job for the salary. The last one characterized all these guys. Enthusiasm for what you do. Enthusiasm the word enthuos, the root of that, is God in you. And when we are approaching things that are seemingly small, we say these things are too insignificant for us to be so concerned with or for God to be so concerned with. And it's not very exciting. Or sometimes the thing is so big and you say, I can't be enthusiastic. The risk is so great. I'm a very responsible person, and so I can't be happy until it's done. In both the small things and the big things, God calls us to be enthusiastic, to be excited. And I think about Moses, sometimes over-enthusiastic. I think about Peter, much the same. I think about Joseph. All these guys had a burning knowledge in their hearts that they were special to Him. That God had called them to, 
to do special things. Great action that stems from great faith will be characterized by a life in which everything you do and think and say matters. By a life where the ethics of what you do and how you do those things matter. Where the effectiveness of what you're doing really matters. Where there's evangelical, gospel impact. And where there's enthusiasm. I want to finish with my testimony of how I moved from Zimbabwe to Mozambique for two years and back again. I was brought up in a home I mentioned last night. My dad was Portuguese and my mum English. And I got to Mozambique through a friend of mine who had been growing chickens and saying, we are growing chickens in the community, but we really need to see a church planted here. Can you send someone to church plant? And in a prayer meeting where we were praying for somebody to go, I started crying. I fell down on my face and heard people praying in Portuguese. And I think I'd only ever heard my dad swear in Portuguese. And I couldn't believe there were people that were worshipping God like this. My dad has given his life to Christ since. And something happened in my heart. And this is the amazing thing. That resulted in me moving my family there for two years and huge challenges and lots of tears and lots of hardship, but lots of joy, lots of fruit, lots of promise for the future. And God speaks to us in some ways in a big way and in some ways in a little way. But as Reese was saying up at the front here this morning, a heart that is saying, here am I, send me. Won't miss God. Jesus said, my sheep, hear my voice. You're not going to miss Him. As you hear, act. Step out. It'll be a little step at first, and the steps will get bigger and bigger. And then those big steps will seem like little steps later, and God will take you into greater and greater things that He has for you. I believe God's hand is on this movement of churches, on every single individual sitting in these chairs today, to know their God and to do mighty exploits. Could I ask the band to come up? And I'd like to ask you to stand, and I'll pray, and I just want to pray for a couple of groups of people as we close. Lord Jesus, thank you that you set the stage so magnificently by dying for us, by coming from heaven to earth, from the earth to the grave, from the grave to the sky, poured out your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your lavish faith with which you created, with which you redeemed, with which you are restoring. Thank you that you set the stage so magnificently And you call us out of mediocrity. You call us out of apathy. You call us 
to your lavishness. Thank you that with you, it's not that it's safe in the cuddly, gooey sense, but it is so good. And Lord, as we stand this morning, as North stands, as Christ Central stands this morning, I pray, Father, for an unleashing of purpose in our lives. That everything that's gone before, you would work together for greater good for us who love you and are called according to your purpose. I pray, Lord, for an opening up of purpose, a compounding of all that you've put in preparation in the years up to now, and a multiplying in what is ahead. I pray, Lord, for this pedal to the metal response to your glory and your goodness. Thank you that you say in Romans, in view of God's mercy to you, offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. I'd love us to sing this song with all our hearts as a response to God's goodness and as a declaration that we are ready to go, we're ready to live for Him. I've asked the band to hit it from the beginning, not to kind of crank it up bit by bit, but just to blast it. And then I'd love to pray for us after we've sung this. Thank you. Father, thank you for a people that know their God. Thank you, Jesus, that you are on the move. Thank you, Aslan, that the spring has come, the kingdom has come, and will fully come. Thank you that the sun is shining. Thank you that your purposes are prevailing. As the darkness gets darker, the light shines brighter. That you are building a glorious church of the increase of your government and peace. There will be no end. Thank you, Lord, that these we've read about were commended for their faith in action. Yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Lord, I pray for each person in this room that as we take our place next to Moses, next to Abraham, next to Joseph, next to Barak, next to Samson, next to Paul, and Silas, and Epaphras, and next to Terry, and next to Jeremy, next to the name of a person who's been significant in leading you to Christ. As we take our place next to Jesus, we thank you that in your magnificent tapestry, we each play our part. Like a puzzle where when one piece is missing, it's a big deal. Lord, I pray for great action from this barn. Men and women who's, in whose lives everything counts. Who are radically different in the small things. Whose lives are effective eternally. And I pray, Father, for phenomenal enthusiasm. I pray for God in these people. I pray 
And I, I see a vision of hot coals coming together. And, and you will be having the effect on others, even as you meet here. And you will get hotter and they will get hotter. And it isn't a one moment thing, but it's an overtime thing. God calling you, propelling you. The other picture I have is of an archer drawing his bow back. That God has taken you very deep. And he's calling you to greater depths. Greater depths of love. Greater depths of enthusiasm. Greater depths of worship. Greater depths of devotion to him and to one another. And from there, unleashing in little things and in big things. Father, thank you for the enthusiasm with which we've just sung the song. And we say we want to go because you are and you are good. We want to live because you are and you are good. Thank you, Jesus, that you said, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. I pray, Lord, that you would be mightily glorified in these days together and in all that spawns from these days together for your glory, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Scott, thank you so much. You've served us magnificently. I feel you've deposited something in our hearts of faith uh, that will actually earth itself in action in our lives.